everybody. Welcome to another yep. episode of DFE. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. And today we have a surreal battle for you here. We got a surreal cinematic battle for you here. We've been, um, this one's been planned for a while. We just were, we were waiting for the right slot to put it in, you know? Yeah, this uh, is, well, one of these movies I've been fighting to get you to watch for a while now. And mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that we could finally uh, put this one into the schedule because for the longest time, I wanted you to watch uh, Swiss Army Man, which we are putting up against Sorry to Bother You. Swiss Army Man versus Sorry to Bother You. Uh, basically, in other words, what the is going on? Yeah, two very confusing movies that have a lot of subcontext to them. And on screen just a lot of weirdness to put it very bluntly i don't see any subtext in, in one of these movies but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into it we'll, we'll talk <laughs> oh yeah uh um before we hop in uh anything new with you man uh nothing much with this week basically well i need to start up primal again now that that's going uh, the new mm. Better Call Saul, I think, answered all the questions that we had about what's going to happen with the rest of the episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to touch on that, if you want to touch on that later, we can. But all I know is pretty much like that was a heck of a time jump. They're like, all right, everything's done. We're, we're caught up now. Well, it, without getting like spoilers, everybody's been wondering when it's going to make that jump from Jimmy to Saul. And mm. this was the most heart wrenching and clever way to do it to show us that jump from him being Jimmy to Saul Goodman. Yeah, that was a heck of a cut, and I I liked it though. I was like, wow, they just they're jumping right into uh to Saul. Yeah, I and mean, he already he already was Saul, but they're jumping into. Well, we get on. to see where like his exact jump into the character we know in Breaking Bad is. Because up until this point, we've seen him take on the name and everything, but we haven't seen him be the Saul from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was heartbroken, but I, it definitely was like a sad moment. And, you know, you just hear the zipping up of the luggage and then all of a sudden that zipping leads to the the cut to where you cut to, okay, now he's full on Saul Goodman. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like how he start, he's starting off on the... In the uh, in the daytime, with the phone call he has, and then the the hooker comes in. He's like, uh, "Hey, take a breakfast bar. Uh, oh yeah, leave breakfast for bar. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know." And he's just like, like brokering deals over the phone. And I was like, "Man, that's just a that's a that's a on point Saul Goodman thing to do." Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's such a great cut. The worst part is it's throughout the entire series. It's basically been, when are we going to get Saul Goodman? And now it's, you know, I, I wish we didn't get Saul Goodman. This is, <laughs> this hurts. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what else happens, man. It was, it was very intriguing. So you did, wait a minute. I thought you was going to see. Nope. Uh, I didn't see it yet. I didn't get a chance this weekend. Oh, wow. All right. I don't feel as jealous anymore. Yeah. I, 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 I have I, my ticket for Tuesday. Uh, good old free popcorn day. Okay, yeah, I uh, I came into this podcast saying I know Brad's gonna talk about nope. Let me just <laughs> swallow my pride and let him talk about it. Due to external certain external circumstances, I couldn't see it like I wanted to. But yeah, how is that boycott of uh, Jordan Peele's material going? Not well. 
Uh, I think I'm I'm party of one. (laughs) You're you're the solo person in the boycott, just still going. Come on, guys, we got to hold out. You can't release films with one word titles, right? (laughs) Nah, man. uh, Due uh, due to certain circumstances, I couldn't see it, but I I had my ticket pre-ordered, but. Because something came up, I couldn't see it on time. I might still, I'm gonna still see it. I just don't. I hope it's not as long as like by the time it comes out on pay per view or whatever. Yeah, I, I plan to see it on uh, Tuesday, so I'll definitely brag about it at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, I hope it's good. Let me know. Uh, you you ready to head in? I think I'm ready for this one. Okay. Uh, Okay, it's depending on which order we're going, I I, I know one that I, I, I just have to start off. Uh, you want to go chronological? Um, You know what? Yeah, let's do chronological. Why not? Why not? All right, uh, Swiss Army Man. So uh, this is written and directed by Daniels. Uh, the Daniels we know that uh, did the film where Brad had a dumb take, and that was... Uh, <laughs> uh, I had the best take. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, where we got in, invited into Brad's delusion. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, this was their debut film, wasn't it? Their yeah, debut. this was their debut. So this was the first movie that they were able to release into theaters that got them all of the praise for their upcoming movie. Uh, well, at the time, upcoming film writing for everything everywhere all at once which is funny because when they were doing a ask me anything about this movie you actually uh brought this up to me that they teased everything everywhere all at once uh by saying that they were working on a script that they were like pending title was how to play piano with hot dog fingers or something like that no no pending title was uh hot dog fingers and he said the film was about uh, how hard it is to do your taxes Oh, and, that's uh, right. Yeah. And then uh, one of the Daniels said this and then he said like, yeah, but the other Daniel was like, that title sounds dumb. So we're just talking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I don't know how you get that to what we saw in theaters, but hey, man, uh, inspiration comes from the weirdest places. Yeah. Uh, OK. Anyway, just let's just give a quick synopsis. So basically, Hank is a man that's uh he, he's deserted on an island. When the film starts, we find him at a point where he's uh, about to commit suicide. You know, he hasn't gotten anybody to rescue him. Uh, he, he He's tried multiple times, we assume, to get off the island. And uh, he's, he's at the end of his rope. It, it is what it is. So at the point where he's about to step off of a, a crate and hang himself, I think it was a crate, right? Um, like, no, it was like a lunchbox kind of thing. Like a lunch, Right. Uh, he finds uh, Daniel Radcliffe's body, uh, uh, we, we assume to be lifeless at the time, uh, washed up on the shore. Um, so he goes, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Accidentally hangs himself, but luckily enough, the string isn't strong enough, so he, he falls down anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he walks over to the corpse, uh, he, he tries to see if it's still alive, and uh, the corpse starts farting. And, you know... It uh he's he he's he's thrown off by it at first, but then he realizes okay it's just a farting corpse like I'm 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 done, so he takes the corpse's belt says let me try again, <laughs> he goes back up to try to hang himself again, but then he realizes that the body has like a violent reaction when it when it when it when it farts, so then he kind of gets a light bulb idea and goes 
wait a minute, I can use this body as a rocket ship to get out of here. And so that that in itself leads into the insanity that is Swiss Army, man, as, it, as it's him getting on the corpse, pulling his pants down and flying across the ocean into the title credits. It, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely how this movie starts off. Um, uh, so this was your first time seeing this movie. It was, man. For a long time, I always told myself I would see it. I started it one day. And um, I got sidetracked. I got it right to the point where it got to the title credits. And I go, <laughs> this is going to get weird. But then something came up and I said, oh, I got to finish this another time. But then uh, when you brought this idea up uh, for this uh, for this episode, I said, all right, now's my chance to finally watch this movie. And I'm glad that uh, you didn't have to go walk your goldfish this time after that main title sequence. So you could actually finish this uh yeah, I had to go. I had to go return the film to Blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> that's all the way in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Look, man. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna give you the good news. I'm gonna give you the good news first. Uh, this film is very well made. In all of its insanity, it's it's very well made. Right. Yes. Uh, I gotta be honest, man. This film kind of, for the most part, it, it tested my patience as I was watching it. Really. Dude, listen, you know me. I'm down for a good, weird time. I am. And I figured, like, okay, Harry Potter and um, he wasn't the Riddler back then. But, you know, Harry Potter and the Riddler or uh, that creepy guy from There There Will Be Blood. I'm, I'm down, you know. And I, I was with it for a while. But then I was like, okay, where the hell is this going? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like where, where, where is this going? Like, it's just, it, it just... <laughs> I tried, I, I laughed at, at some scenes, I did, but some scenes were kind of like, it's like the more the film went on, the more uncomfortable I got. I think that was kind of the point of some of the scenes, though, was no, to make I, you feel I, uncomfortable. I because no, I, I know it, it's literally the human emotion of like being alone and being by yourself and everything like that. So it's he has Manny there, but to him, Manny is still a corpse. He's not a real person. He has to explain life to this person and everything. And meanwhile, this person has the ability to fart fires, you know, and launch stuff from his mouth like a catapult. I love how he's trying to bring meaning out of this film, folks. Uh, yeah, th- <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm not going to stop you. Go ahead. No, it's so the film is extremely weird. 100%. But it is kind of a it has some really good like lines and everything like that. Like when he's explaining, you know, different things in the world, you know, like what love is and everything like that and kind of giving his perspective on it. And we have Manny being, you know, basically a complete amnesiac, uh, who is getting everything explained to him like a child. Uh, first off, (laughs) Hank is an absolute genius when it comes to artistry and like creating oh yeah everything. I absolutely love how it would constantly be him like creating like people out of like milk cartons and puppets and stuff like that. Like he built like an entire theater to like be able to show Manny what movies are and everything. And it's the creativity behind this movie in how he basically presents life to a corpse. Mm-hmm. Is right. is insane. Let's, 
I um listen, and I, I like that weirdness about it. I like how it talks about the not the human condition, but uh, the hu- human connection. You know, I, I mm-hmm. like that, and um, I, I like that it showed a little bit of like that showing strength behind the friendship. Listen, I, I don't think you could get just anybody to play these roles, man. Oh, I no. feel like you you need two great weird actors. Not saying they're weird, but they like to take weird roles like Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe to do this. Like the only other couple people I could maybe imagine is probably Elijah Wood and Lakeith Stanfield. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe them. Other than that, there's not there's not a lot of actors that could play these roles. Well, you have first off, Daniel Radcliffe is a fantastic actor. And mm-hmm. this was during that time where he was basically doing anything he could to have fun making movies again and get away from being called Harry Potter constantly. So he was just taking on anything that looked like it would be fun to make that would throw people off, you know, from was, being like, oh, this is Harry Potter. <laughs> he was in his Robert Patterson phase. Basically, trying to get yeah. away from Twilight. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't think it's bad to be attached to Harry Potter. People love that series. They do, but at the same time, he's mentioned it before that he finds it annoying that he's basically from a child, got stranglehold into this one role that everybody like expects from him I now. I, I can I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, man, look, look. The acting is on point, and so is the directing. It's just, I, I know it was the point of the film, but there was a time where I was watching the film and they were having a little dance montage. Oh, <laughs> with using like, the strings to like, <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> the strings are like trying to move Manny. And I just look at it myself. I, I'm just thinking to myself like, man, I hope he doesn't screw that corpse, man. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope they don't show a scene of them screwing, man. Please don't, don't. And I don't know. It's like, the movie makes you uncomfortable. Like, I, I get it. I, I get what it's doing. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable because basically you have a guy walking around with a corpse that it, it there's the question of, you know, is this corpse actually doing this stuff? Is this a magical kind of movie? Or is this guy literally dragging a corpse that he found on the beach around with him? Because we see that he really wasn't far from civilization at the end when they start walking into the forest and everything like that after he finds people. And so that means that he's literally just basically been crouching in this one lady's backyard for years, you know, just making all these houses and buildings and everything like that. And all these props of people, you know, so you know what, man, I didn't go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah. So it comes down to how insane is this person at the end? How much of this is reality? How much of it is in his head? And how much of it was him basically thinking that this corpse was real? How much did he need this corpse to be real to be able to have somebody to talk to? Because he saw himself as a loser. You know, throughout the movie, he mentions that he didn't think that he deserved to have friendship or love or anything like that. You know, he didn't have a relationship with people because he thought himself as a loser. So how much did he want this corpse to be there to be a friend for him? You know, man, I got to be honest. I It took me a while to catch on that he was in the backyard the entire time because mm-hmm. I had thought that he had like 
arrived at the backyard because he was initially on the island. Like I thought like he he eventually arrived there like after the whole montage in the beginning. Yeah, no, cuz you know, it if you think of it that way that he arrived there, that means that he literally rode a farting corpse across the ocean to get <laughs> to that backyard area. But based off what we see in the final shot, that's not far off, right? Right. It, it turns out that, you know, all the house and everything that he's built, basically throughout the entire movie that we've been seeing him build up, is literally right there behind this one girl's backyard. And I love how she has no idea who he is at all. So this is just some creepy thing where all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we found this cell phone on the corpse and it has your photo as the background of it and a bunch of these other pictures of you and everything. And it's like it boils down and makes it go from like, oh, this poor guy who was stuck in an island to this guy was a creep. What the hell is going on here? And then you find out he was literally basically in her backyard the entire time. And it's like, that's even worse. And he's just dragging a corpse around as well. You know, this, this, this scene kind of crossed the line for me. I understand from a, from a, from a comedy standpoint, it's, Sometimes comedy crosses the line. You don't know where the line is. And I, I it's brave. This whole film is brave. <laughs> like, like I, the, that's one scene, way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> this whole film is brave. But like the scene where they, they run into the little girl, um, Sarah's daughter. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Manny, Manny passes guys. And she's like, that's gross. No, 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 no that's not gross. And all of a sudden makes him so. I can't even say it. It, then he just kind of chops it down. Like, you can't do that in front of her. I'm like, dog, why would you? Who wrote that, man? Which Daniel wrote that scene? Because I'm like, man, you got a demented, you have a demented mind. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I know what like, scene you're talking about. The scene where he's using his, uh, what was it, civilization finding dick powers. Who wrote that scene, man? That is <laughs> sick. That is sick, dude. Uh, I that was sick, but um, okay, man. I don't that ending, dog. Let me talk about the ending for a second. So, mm. <laughs> this movie is so absurd, man. When he, when he takes the corpse to the beach, and he's like, he's like, man, you like you're, you're my friend. We we gotta show him they. We gotta show them that you're real, even if you don't, even if they don't believe it. I believe in you, or whatever. Uh, he, uh, did, did, what does he crap on himself or does he fart? Like, what? No, what, he farts. He he just farts himself back into the ocean and gives. No, one. not that. I'm talking about Hank when he said, uh, he said, uh, I can do it too. In the air. Oh no, he goes. just farts. Oh okay, okay. I thought I thought he like crapped himself, but anyway. The cop is taking him away, and then uh, it happens again. The cop is like, all right, man, that's enough. He goes, he said, no, no, that wasn't me. (laughs) And then it's that dramatic look back at uh, Manny's body, which is now convulsing. (laughs) This was the funny, like, this is the funniest scene to me in theory, in in retrospect. Uh, The body starts farting. To the point where it takes itself back into the ocean, and everybody, everybody except Sarah and her husband, their child is just like, like, like amazed by this. 
Oh, her, the, the child is having the time of its life watching this. Right. And the father's just nodding there, smiling, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, and then, uh, you know, they, they, the court smiles at them in the end. I'm like, dude, this is just so stupid. Like, what is the point of this? <laughs> like, what would I, because I, I'm like, it was, it was such a poignant ending for such a dumb movie. Like, like the dad was just there smiling and like nodding at his son. I'm Are like, you saying that that ending wasn't deserved? <laughs> was like what? What's the nod of understanding between his father and him? Where he's just like, "Okay, I get it now." <laughs> like what? So now that you've seen how this movie ends in a way that you could have never expected, do you see where my disappointment, where the ending of everything, everywhere at once comes from? <laughs> no, I don't. I feel like that was a good ending for that movie. <laughs> like I feel like that. Actually, their writing got better because their writing did get better. <laughs> I will say to- that. To me, everything everywhere is a masterpiece. Uh, it will take time to really decide that, but I really feel like it was a well done movie that wasn't dumb. <laughs> you know, like th- it had meaning to it. It was about the meaning of life, and you know, like you know, <laughs> and how you kind of question that stuff when you're doing your taxes. Like, what's the point of all of this? You know, like I feel like there was meat. There was real death grabbed out of that movie where this is. Um, this is about a crazy stalker dude with a farting corpse. I mean, that's what this movie is, right? I mean, you're not wrong. You know what I'm saying? I, I know I'm not wrong. That's what this movie was. And I was like, all right, man. Sometimes A24 fails. It's okay. You know, like... I, I, I'm surprised that you consider this one a failure. I thought this movie was absolutely hilarious front to back. And Listen, it does what it does, and it does what it does well. But that doesn't mean that what it does is necessary. <laughs> you know what it doesn't mean that what it does needs to be done. But you at the same mean? time, <laughs> this movie is hilarious. I, I love this movie. And especially Daniel Radcliffe's acting in it as a corpse that doesn't understand anything. Uh, it, every time anything's going on, he's like, what is that? What What is that happening for? You know, uh, the scene where they have like the uh, bear and stuff like that, and they like climb into the tree. <laughs> that scene is so stupid. <laughs> oh, this movie is stupid, dude. <laughs> I think I, I think I had to be disarmed through talking about it because when I first saw it, I was like, "Man, what the fuck is this?" <laughs> like, I like I, I had heard reviews about it, and I was like. It can't be that bad. I'm sure it's it's, it's made by some well known like well it's made by some good directors. And I'm watching it like, yo, this is something else. <laughs> like, this movie has a very high critical praise on it. Uh huh. <laughs> no, you, you said I, that I, like you don't believe me. <laughs> no, I believe you, but I'm just like, hey man, you know, there's a lid for every pot. It's okay. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I kind of look at this movie as it's a it's a it's a well done dumb movie like if edgar wright directed biodome that's what this is see this is an extremely absurdist movie and yeah. i can get behind that 100 i i absolutely loved how stupid and off the wall it went at times and everything 
Um, even one of like Daniel Radcliffe's lines in this movie is, you know, if my best friend is hiding his farts from me, what else is he hiding? Uh, that line still cracked me up <laughs> when he said it because he put such emotion into it. Like he's offended at this concept. Right, right. I, I, um, I feel like this is one of those movies that's like it makes me laugh to talk about it. When I was in the moment watching it for the first time, I was really, it, it really threw me for a loop because <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, what is this? Like, because I heard at Sundance, there was walkouts and I was like, well, they walk out of anything, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I was like, okay, I, I, I understand. I understand. It, I, I wouldn't have walked out. I would have wanted to see where it was going, but I understand. Yeah, it, it's a very kind of absurd movie when it comes to everything that's going on but that's what i loved about it is because you never knew what was coming next with it it definitely kind of faltered your expectations and even at the end when you're like okay well this is where it gets caught out that he's a freak and you know he's been stalking this girl and everything like that hiding in her backyard more or less you know for who knows how long and Mm -hmm. You know, it's all going to come together. And then the corpse, you know, farts itself back into the ocean and smiles back at everybody as they watch. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) I don't know what to take of this movie anymore. Yeah, it it truly is absurd. I I was almost um, I had thought the father was the father of Daniel Radcliffe's body at first until I heard the people say like uh, because he had thought that was his son. Mm-hmm. And he was like, because like Paul Dana was like hiding and stuff and looking at his looking at his dad. And he's like, he's like, I don't even want I don't even want to see him. I, I'll just walk away. And then um, somebody was like, uh, oh, you know, he jumped off a bridge and, you know, nobody can probably identify him. You know, nobody, uh, nobody cares or anything like that. And I was like, oh, OK, he was a guy. And that's I like that from a writing standpoint, because he was about to commit suicide because he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning. Paul Dano's character was about to commit suicide. Now, I'll, I'll give the film points on that. That comes full circle when we realize Daniel Radcliffe's like origin, that piece of dialogue. Um, but yeah, man, I uh, I don't know, man. I, I Listen, I understand the acclaim. I understand the praise. It's more fun to talk about than watch. <laughs> I, I get us a 2.5. 2.5, really? Yeah, it was well made. It was just a well made, dumb movie. Oh, this is a three point five to me. Oof. All right, I feel like how you felt when I gave Matrix. Uh, <laughs> what, what did I? What did I give Matrix? I, you gave it more than a one, and that was already too much. It. <laughs> yeah, man, this movie was. This movie was over the top. It was it was just over the top. It, it was, and that's what I loved about it. It was just absolutely absurd comedy uh, based around somebody, a dead body that is able to basically be used as a Swiss army knife to get just, anything done that they needed. Like, I love how he was using his head to beat down like a hammer to like get spikes in the ground and stuff like that. Because when you think about what the reality of this movie is, is it's some creepy dude who stalks a woman hides in her backyard found a body washed ashore and then was using it as like a toolbox in order to you know build this hut in her backyard yeah yeah um hey what you really don't think he was in the ocean at all 
You thought he was in the backyard the whole time? I, I think he was there the whole time. Um, it's either that or... It, I don't know. It's Because I, at the same time, if you acknowledge that he was actually trapped on another island, you have right. to acknowledge that the farting corpse is a real thing. Which means that everything the farting corpse did in that movie was real. Right. Which in the end, he does fart away in the ocean. Or you could almost say that last scene where he's farting away in in, in the ocean is all in his head. And he's making up a happy ending in his head. Right. Which is a possibility. But if you think that he was on another island in the beginning of the movie, it, you have to think that the end of it was all real as well. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I it, it's it, it it makes you ponder a little bit, like what what's going through Paul Dano's character psyche. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe. I just want to know how the A twenty four meeting went, where somebody read this script, and they went, you know what, man? Let's just do it. Let's just be <laughs> legends. You know, like the, the movie would go fine. They, they probably saw Daniel Radcliffe was attached to it, and at the time they were just like, yeah, green light it. What's the movie called? Swiss Army Man. It's going to be great. It's probably going to be some army memorial kind of film starring Daniel Radcliffe. No way. No, they, no, no. They read the script. They read the script and they went, you know what, man? It, why not? Why not? <laughs> this is our next hit. That, I want to know how that meeting went, dude. Because, wow. I mean, wow. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm done with this one, man. I'm done. <laughs> we can move on. You got nothing more to add about this amazing movie? <laughs> nothing more to add, man. I'm, I'm all set. So that brings us to the next movie, uh, Sorry to Bother You, starring Lakeith yes. Stanfield uh, as the main character, Cashes, a.k.a. Cash, who mm-hmm. is a struggling person that gets a job as a telemarketer and Mm. eventually gets up to the big players room where he makes a lot more money selling various uh things mostly weapons and uh employees and workers and people more or less and Mm. that is the broadest stroke of this movie that i can come up with without (laughs) diving into what is more of an absurdist movie as well 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 so yeah i mean like he 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 adopts the you know the white accent just yep. to see that his job and i like how like the first part of the film is like a it, 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 it it's um it's a take on um code switching but the moment we get to that third act this becomes something completely different yeah this movie takes like a hard left when it's going through its plot and mm-hmm. the best part is it keeps its same theme and everything like that where it's, you know, you have the different class systems and everything like that, but one class system is always going to prevail over the other no matter what they do, say, or think. As long as they continually make money, they're going to be at the top of the line no matter what. And, you know, in order to break that line, it basically is almost impossible to do so. And mm-hmm. at that point, once you break it, you can only fail upwards even more. There's nothing you can do to, you know, break out of that trend. Right. Um, so, we're, we're, I mean, hey, listen, let me say this 
uh, off the top, dude. This film does not have enough Danny Glover, man. Uh, like, no, I not at all. Scene. His scenes had me laughing, dude. Like, I love, I love Danny Glover, man. I like how uh, he's in, he's at the bar, right? And he's drinking. And uh, Lakeith says, hey, you're not going to go dancing? He said, man, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> like, like, he says, what happened to the wolf? The wolf, wolf. You know, now you gotta, you gotta damn near dislocate your shoulder and start dancing. I was starting laughing like, like Danny Glover has some funny lines in this movie. Yeah, I also love how he's the one to introduce the white voice to uh, Cash's character. Right, right. And which is, I think, one of the funniest like in jokes in this movie that constantly comes up is, "No, no, use your white voice." And right. I love how we had uh, David Cross, Patton Oswald, uh, and Lily James as the white voices for the main characters. Yeah, yeah. At first, I thought it was, um, I forgot it was Lily James. I thought it was somebody else at first. But then I was like, I looked at Chris. I said, oh, yeah, that was Detroit's white voice, Lily James. Yeah. Oh, and I, I love the little small jokes in this movie as well. Like uh, with Detroit's name, you know, why did your parents name you that? They wanted me to have an American name. D- I was Detroit is a that. French word. <laughs> exactly. It's really the twat. It's really the twat. It, yeah. Like, like, really? I thought that was just, again, that's the kind of off the cuff, like weird dialogue that makes this film special, man. Yeah. Like, I, I was going to say, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's that kind of very like subtle humor that if you don't get the joke, it'll go over your head and the movie will keep going. It's not going to take you out of it. But if you do get the joke, it just makes the content of it so much better when they're having these conversations. Hey, man, uh, Steven Yoon's character, Squeeze. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I like when he first meets Cassius. He goes, uh, he goes, uh, man, you asked a good question in there. Cassius goes, I mean, yeah, don't we all want to get paid? Yeah, but you asked a really good question in there. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. And then he was like, yeah, a player got to figure out how to get the, the dimes on this piece. And he's like, what does that mean? He goes, oh, um, we're, we're starting a union. This movie just has like great dumb moments and it's like that in this movie. It does. And I love how, you know, even with the entire, uh, you know, protests and stuff like that, because once that starts, that's going throughout the entire movie. We just see from Cash's perspective that it's no longer a critical part of his life anymore. Once he gets into what is it, the big collar room, the power collar, the power collar room. Yes. Yeah. So once he reaches that point and everything like that, those problems no longer become his own, but they're still problems for uh, his girlfriend, Detroit, and, you know, Squeeze and his other friend. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, in That's in the call center. Salvador. Salvador. Salvador, yes. So it, it becomes kind of their problem, and even though, you know, he was once their friend and everything, he's reached a point where he no longer can connect with them with that because he's now in the big players room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, I like the dialogue between him and Salvador when he, when he makes his, his stance where uh, Cassius could, he, he chooses to stay at the company because he's become a power caller and, you know, 
their 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 talk of like you know like arguing just leads to like like passive aggressive positive comments like uh mm-hmm. i wish you a lot of success in your future brother yeah. he says oh yeah oh you smell nice oh you smell nice too <laughs> like what is like, let's get is- drinks later and we'll have two drinks three four five we'll get as many drinks as we want <laughs> Right, like, uh, like, like, it's all me. No, I'll cover it. No, no, it's all me now. Yeah. It's all on me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's a lot to this movie that basically we see him go through um, when it comes to reaching that top of the chain and kind of losing the people around him at the same time, and he. He wants to help them, but at the same time, he doesn't want to lose what he has because he's reached the top status of what he thinks his life can reach, and he doesn't want to lose that grasp because it's gotten him a nice house, it's gotten him a nice car, it's gotten him everything that he's wanted in his life. He basically just sold himself out to doing what he always strongly believed was wrong in the world in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... um. I was going to say, you know what, man, the first time I watched it, I, I, you know, I thought he was good for what he did. But uh, second time watching it, Army Hammer is pretty funny in this movie. Oh, yeah. Is the big shot CEO. Yeah. He surprises me because like when he first showed up, I was like, OK, this is the guy we've been building up to for a while. The CEO. Uh, but I like in his scene, like when he first when he first meets him, mm-hmm. he's like, uh He's like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, such and such. And the guy doesn't shake his hand. He just stares at him. And uh, Mr. Bleep, uh, he's like, hey, he, he's just friendly. He's a friendly guy. And then he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, oh, man, you know, uh, don't don't call me. Don't call me Mr. That. He says, oh, OK, I, Steve. He says, I didn't say you call me Steve. And he just like stares at him. And he goes, I'm just messing with you, man. Call me whatever you want. You keep making those calls. Yeah, you keep making that money. You can call me whatever you want. Right. And I like how do I like how straight like straight Lacey acts after he shows him the video about turning people into horses. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, what kind of he said, what did I just snort? He says, come on, man, chill out. He says, no, what did I just snort? It was it was Peruvian. Yeah, there's horses in Peru in Peru. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. He says, dude, you're, you're making me paranoid right now. Yeah, <laughs> you are so hyped up. You're m- killing my mellow right now. You need to calm down. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, it was coke, man. It was coke. <laughs> he's just, just, just so calmly with the gun in his hand. Waving, right. Telling him, no, we need to finish this movie. <laughs> I need to get your opinion on this movie. We made a lot of money went into this. Yeah, I, I love like the uh, just the corporate subcontext of how this movie plays out and everything like that of, you know, we want to be able to control the narrative and we need somebody inside that we can control to control that narrative. And he's like, so you want me to be like a new leader? And they're like, no, we want you to be like the new Martin Luther King for Esqua Sapiens. Esqua Sapiens is what they're called, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It it just goes to show. Like, I love how they basically just dog on corporate culture like that because that is exactly how it is. You know, they always want to be able to control the situation and be able to, you know, be able to go. No, no, we're we're playing the good guy here, but we're controlling it from the background. We 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 want the token black guy to stand right here and be like, "Hey, everything's fine." Yeah, you know, there's nothing to worry about. 
dude, like I say, for for a directorial debut, this is very well written as a satire. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well directed. Like Boots Riley did a great job with this, man. Like this, this a film like this has like a very uh, you, you do see some kind of first film kind of hiccups here and there, but it's like it, it has a very assured voice to it. it. It does. And, you know, even some of the like little jokes like uh, the, the TV show of people getting hurt and doing stupid stuff is like the most watched thing. And the only way for him to get his message out there because no news outlet trusts him or will put it out is for him to literally go on this like uh, I'm trying to think of like what show it would be like basically like, like I, wipe out or something I, I got the crap kicked out of me or something like that yeah yeah uh which is very like disturbing like yes. you know what i'm saying like there's this one shot where a girl is straight up getting punched and people are like wow dude that's so funny i'm like oh my goodness that's horrible like that's like like in this is america you, you've seen that music video everybody oh, has. Yeah where Donald Glover shoots up the, the Christian choir and you're like, Oh my God, what is this? You know, but it, 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 it um, that is a thing that we as Americans are entertained by, mm-hmm. you know, look at uh biggest show of all time on MTV, Jackass. Oh yeah. These people, they were hurting themselves and we thought it was entertaining. Uh, Yeah, man. And then he had all the, the feces dripping from him and he was like, I'm here to tell you about the conspiracy. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. He literally, and it wasn't even only that too. He went through a couple things before they let him actually speak. And mm-hmm. the only reason he got on the show in the first place is because he was, uh, another thing that I love that they got absolutely accurate is, uh, you know, basically turning memes into like cultural points mm-hmm. where the person threw the can at him. And all of a sudden you have people as like, the guy that got hit in the head with a can is a costume that kids are wearing and everything like that. Like he became a national phenomenon because of this moment, because it got popular online for that video. And this movie actually took that in like the perfect direction where people that are in these circumstances, they don't want to be in become popular because something happened that they were around at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Like uh, there are moments in this film where there are moments that are filmed in a quirky, absurd way where in others, in other scenes, it's funny. And in some scenes, it's like, oh, man, that's horrible. Like, Mm -hmm. like this film, I'll give this in this connection to Swiss Army, like this film disarms you at some points. Like it it can show you like something very disturbing or like, like out of nowhere, you're like, what is going on? And then it reels you right back in. Mm-hmm. To like to understand, like, OK, I know that was weird, but here's why we showed that. Right. You know, like it, it keeps you engaged with what's going on. Yeah, it's it definitely manages to pull that through. And even when it takes that like hard left and kind of brings in the entire idea of the Equisapiens and how people are being turned into horse people in order to work harder and everything. The fact that once it comes out that they're doing this, that their stocks rise because they found a better way to make it more efficient workers is absolutely what would happen if that happened in reality. Like if Apple came out tomorrow and was like, we found a way to turn people, you know, into actual workhorses in order to, you know, boost productivity in warehouses across the world. People would be putting in pre-orders to get that formula to give it to their employees. 
like companies would have bidding wars to get the first like couple of samples out from that. There would be a whole market for a bootleg version of it. It, it would actually take over the same that it did in this movie. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that it, it's hard. It's hard to fathom something like that, but I, I do believe that that could happen. Like, uh, you know, every day, I think Mike Judge's uh, idiocracy was a, a prophetic vision. Oh, yeah. You know, I, when, when I look at Herschel Walker, <laughs> our good air goes to China's bad air. And then their bad air comes to our good air. And we got to clean that back up. I'm like, this dude is leading, in, not leading, but he has a good fan base in Georgia. And you look at that and you look at idiocracy. <laughs> you look at the job market and you look at sorry to bother you. You go, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, it's 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 a terrifying thing, but it's like, yeah, it it it's funny. But then you think about it, and you're like, that's not so funny. That's that's hitting in the real spot right now. I don't like this. This is, <laughs> oh, <laughs> turn dude, it off. The, the worry free thing, man. Like yes. when I first saw that in theaters, I was like, that's slave labor. Like, like that's 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 just slaves. But, you know, and then um, I like how that plays on the, the MTV Cribs part of it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. This is where we eat our fantastic meals that Worry Free gives us free of charge. Right, right. And uh, if some people said that predicted work from home, I don't think so. No, but that I, one wasn't predicting work from home. That that was literally just trying to create like a contracted slavery route. It was basically just bringing up the topic of people being owned by a corporation instead of being owned by people just in a different light. And I love how in the interview when they're with uh, him and going, uh, look, worry free is not forcing people to sign these contracts. It's not like we're waving a gun in front of them while we're presenting this to them and forcing them to sign on the spot. And then later we see when cash is in the office with him, he's literally doing that. He's waving a gun around while going, look, we need you to do this for us. Hey, hey I like how like the scene I was talking about earlier with uh, cash is, uh starts to wonder if he took the, the wrong, uh, snorting powder he's like you know already starts waving the gun like like subtly he's like hey man i don't even care about that anymore am i gonna turn to a horse like <laughs> like i don't care about that gun anymore am i gonna turn to a horse yeah <laughs> yeah i love how he also has that uh fascination with look dude you'll get turned into a horse it'll only be for five years but that entire time you're gonna have a giant horse dick you know and it's <laughs> Like, he's trying to sell this concept to him and everything. I love that that's also one of the first things that he, like, has his girlfriend check. He's like, do you, do you, does it look bigger to you? Like, is is it happening? Did I actually snort that uh, serum? She's like, I'm glad you're feeling yourself. Like, is this why you called me? Yeah. And I, hey, didn't he, didn't he offer him $100 million? Yeah, $100 million for five years. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was funny um but uh what was i about to say yeah i i uh (laughs) i thought steven yoon's uh squeeze character was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) once one scene that made me laugh was uh i like how he uh he came up to her when she was messing with the sign and like he tasted it and just effortlessly just does it like way better than her and starts doing the uh the upside down splits or whatever yeah she goes 
goes, oh, man, you're pretty good at this. And he goes, uh, he says, yeah, I spent a lot of time in L.A. <laughs> yeah, I love the throwaway lines like that. Also, when uh, they're at her art exhibit, she's doing the, I guess, the art presentation where people are throwing the cell phones and the water balloons filled with paint and stuff at her. And Cash like jumps in and goes, wait, wait, you can't do this. What are you doing this for and everything? She's like, this is the art project. You know, this is what I got to do. This is, you know, this is my life. This is what I have to do. And then later there's like the foil to that when he's at the party and everything. And they're like, oh, come on. You got to know how to rap, right? Come on, rap for us. You know, you can totally do it. Just do it. You know? And it's like, oh, those two scenes like side by side, like him trying to stop something and then him, you know, digging into the same thing that she's trying to present as a problem. I didn't make that connection at first. You didn't make that connection before? I didn't. But that that is interesting. I was going to say that that scene of her saying, look, this is this is my art. This is what I do. Like it it is uh, kind of a mirror of him saying like. I, w- I have to do this power calling thing. Like, it's, it's what I'm good at. This is my new career. I, I, I want to make something out of myself. Like, I would say that was the mirror of that, but that makes sense. She's going through the humiliation thing. He humiliates himself to save face at the CEO party. Yeah. Ah, so she's man. basically making a statement that this is a problem, and then he tries to stop it and then falls into it himself. The exact problem she's trying to like bring light in through her art. Hmm. That's interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. See, this movie has layers, man. It like, does. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. I want to say this is probably like the third or fourth time that I've seen it. Okay. It's like my second. Yeah. Cause I saw it in theaters. I saw it in a screening. And then later I did see it again in theaters with a group of people. And then I've also, I can't remember if I finished watching it fully, but I did watch it one time when it like came out on like Blu-ray and everything like that as well. And then this time. Now, did you, uh, now that now you were critical who you like, you, you were very selective of who you saw this with, right? Um, the first time, no, (laughs) What'd you see? What'd you see with the first time? Uh, the first time I saw this one, uh, I brought a couple friends with me and everything like that. And th- this was uh, <laughs> very interesting to watch because uh, it was one of my friends, uh, Ferris, was with me. And yeah, okay. <laughs> he had a completely different outlook on this movie than I did the first time. Okay. All right. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Like this is a movie I can't uh, I can't just recommend to anybody. Right. I don't. Th- I don't think I would recommend Swiss Army at all. But I. No. I, think I could make. I could maybe recommend this to a few friends. This movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, this one. Yeah, I, I've seen it with a couple different people and everything like that. And it's interesting to see like the different perspectives people grab from it. You know, mm-hmm. having watched it and everything. But yeah, it's it's a great movie. Oh yeah, it definitely is. I I enjoy it, man. Um. It's very well made. Uh, like I said, there are some like debut film hiccups. Like there are some parts that apply and some some characters I feel don't aren't really needed or add anything. Like I think I like I usually like Terry Crews, but I felt like his uh, his Sergio, he was kind of just there. I, I think I, uh, his character was more meant to show that uh, he was coming from poverty 
basically. Like he was living in a garage that he was renting from his uncle and his uncle didn't even have enough money to pay for the house at the same time. So he was basically relying on cash in order to rent his garage so he could pay for the house. But even then, even with the money from cash, he still didn't have, you know, the uh, money to be able to afford the place. Mm hmm. Yeah, like um, the uh, the VIP. I'm not gonna pick the film apart, but the one VIP room in the beginning where him and his friend are hanging out in the bar. He looks over and says, "Hey, what's what's that room?" He says, "Oh, that's the VIP room. They got different passwords." Like, or no, the, you got in order to get in, you gotta know the password. This week password it's this, and and right. it's it's always been that. <laughs> right. I thought that scene kind of fell a little flat. But like, like I said, like those are like minor hiccups. Otherwise, it's a very well-made movie. Um, I get us a solid four. Um, yeah, this is a four for me, uh, very easily. I I love this one. It's it does have a couple weird pacing problems with it when it comes to some of the scenes, but overall, amazing movie. And for being a directorial kind of you know debut because this was his directorial debut right it was yeah um absolutely spot on um yeah man all right so uh i say when it comes down to it oh so swiss army man wins out to you wait did Uh, you give that a 4.5 i gave it a (laughs) 3.5 oh okay i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) I, I know that I gave it higher than you, but don't try and you know project that as I'm saying it's a perfect movie. <laughs> if you're giving that thing anything other than anything over a 2.7, I don't know, <laughs> man. That you, you you might as well be calling it a perfect five. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So all right. So sorry to bother you. Wins out then. Uh, yeah, by far. Uh, sorry to bother you. Is it's subcontext. It's humor. It's use of characters and, you know, cinematography and everything like that. Like, even when you're going through the parts where he is the telemarketer and literally as soon as he picks up the phone, his entire desk, like, falls down into whatever situation he's calling into. Whether it be somebody at their dinner table, you know, somebody on the toilet, whatever it is, his desk falls right there and you get that, you know, you got to make it personal with the caller and everything. And that's how he's perceiving it in his mind of him mm-hmm. dropping into these situations that he's not prepared for at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I... Uh it's interesting because these are both like absurdist uh, directorial debuts. We just happened to luck out on this one. I didn't even see that connection that these are both debut movies. Yeah, I I kind of forgot that uh, Sorry to Bother You was his debut. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Uh, what did you... Um, oh, I got to talk. You're the Marvel guy. So mm. what do you feel about the all the announcements we heard so far? Uh, so as a Marvel fan... Uh, I am excited for it. I absolutely love the idea of what we're getting, especially since we're getting the Avengers, uh, King Dynasty, and a Secret Wars Avengers movie. Uh, I absolutely am hype for that as well, as long as they do it well, because King is like a terrifying villain throughout all of Marvel because he is kind of the multiversal threat 
when it comes to everything that exists. And Secret Wars is definitely the best way to close out a multiversal threat. At the same time, though, as a movie fan, I hate how we're getting these timeline things like so far in advance because these movies aren't coming until like 2025. We don't need to know what's coming three years from now. You know, tell me what's coming next year. Tell me what's coming at the beginning of maybe 2024. Like, you know, next year and maybe a couple months. Like, I don't need to be hearing that Dune Part 3 is coming out in 2027. Man, I don't even know if we're going to be alive by then. Right. We're dealing with like five different pandemics. Like, just tell me what's coming out in 2023. Right. That's all I need to know. Let me know what to be excited for this year and next year. You know, you already said you're coming out with a Blade movie. I'm hyped for it. Okay. You telling me it's coming out at the end of 2024 makes me just go, well, why would I be excited for that right now? It doesn't matter. It's we're still two years out from seeing that. And you announced that, what, two, three years ago now? Listen, I'm glad that James Cameron is making a whole saga to to first Avatar film. But right now, as of this moment, I'm excited for Way of Water. I don't care about the others. I'm right now. I'm excited for what's coming. I, I still you don't know. know if that one's actually coming or not. I don't believe it yet. <laughs> Look, man, it keeps showing in theaters. I, I I'd be very surprised if they if they postpone it to jet to January or February. Okay, if they postpone it a whole nother year, I'd be surprised. Really? Because we be still only have that one trailer. That they just keep showing over and over. Are you sure that that isn't all that they've finished so far of the movie? Is that trailer that they're just using to hype up? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I don't. I, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm going to have to trust it. Because uh, I know every time I see that trailer, I just always remember, I know one day, this family, it's our legacy or, or our destiny or something like that. Did you hear that? Yeah. No, then you get the pan to her. <gasps> and then it's dun, 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 dun. <laughs> She doesn't gasp. She 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 breathes uh, a concerned sigh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do do yeah. you have this trailer memorized just like the uh, opening to AMC? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I kind of do cuz they listen man, Fox wants to make their money back. They're going to advertise that movie <laughs> past opening day yeah yeah like, I'm, I'm pretty sure if there's anybody, not a trailer for the movie playing before the movie i would be shocked like anybody that's gonna be in a different theater watching a different movie opening week they're gonna be like why aren't you seeing avatar let's play the trailer for you about two more times <laughs> like you're gonna see this movie i just watch uh disney buy out every theater inside every chain so it's just all avatar that's all they play there's nothing else at opening day. Just every theater you go to, you might buy a ticket for something else, but once you get into that theater, you're watching Avatar. <laughs> okay, so uh, okay, we finally got a, a first trailer, BP two. What'd you think, Black Panther two? Uh, I am super excited for it uh, mm-hmm. because first off, we're getting Ironheart in it, which I didn't expect her to be making her debut in this movie. Uh, Namor looks great. I am so excited to see him fully on this big screen. 
Uh, they're definitely playing into the idea of, you know, uh, the Black Panther being dead and finding a way to move on from that while also keeping Wakanda as a power house in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm really excited to see where they decide to go with that and everything and who they decide to play as the new Black Panther because we do get a small glimpse of a new suit, mm-hmm. meaning somebody is taking it up. And it's just a matter of who is the person taking it up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks visually stunning. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, uh, it, like Brian Cougar is doing a great job with the visuals and, and some of the action sequences I saw. Um, you know, I'll wait for it. It looks good. Uh, you know, I uh, like I told you, you told me you were getting a little worried that we might not get a trailer until like close soon to when it's about to come out. Um, but I said, no, it's Black Panther. They're, they're going to show it ahead of time. Right. Well, it was just a matter of you were saying that we were getting really close to it. You know, and we hadn't seen anything from it. And I mentioned oh, I how, that. yeah, how it took forever for us to get like the first trailer for like Love and Thunder even before that came out. Hmm. So it's it we're definitely coming up. close. I expected us to get a little bit closer to it still. I didn't okay. expect them to show it at uh, San Diego. I expected us to get the trailers for She-Hulk and uh, Black Adam. You know, that was basically all I was That's expecting DC. from Right, but that's all I was oh, expecting right, right. from like superhero kind of trailers from here. Uh, surprisingly, we did get a trailer for John Wick Four, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Um, I don't need a trailer for that. I'm already in. Oh right, like it's, it's John Wick. Like it, that's 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 every guy's movie. Come yeah. on, it, it was a flash sequence of him being a badass in little fight scenes. It told me everything I need to know about the movie. I'm I'm all in, you know. It's, it's John Wick. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's at this point, I don't need a trailer. I'm just going to see it. <laughs> Man, I really... Well, I guess I'm kind of... I guess I'm kind of glad we didn't get Keanu Day now because I think we would have had one great movie and <laughs> one movie that was kind of like, all right, at least we supported, huh? Right. <laughs> Well, that was about uh, three hours down the drain. But hey, John Wick, though. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, blessing in disguise. I, yeah. I say blessing in disguise for sure. Um, yeah, man. Uh, new Captain America film. I don't know if I'm feeling the title. I, I don't know. New, new World Order sounds kind of creepy to me. Uh, that like, one... I, I, I don't know if that's like the line in one of the comics or something like that, that they're pulling it from, or if it's going fully original. Uh, but again, I, I saw that and I was like, okay, cool. They're releasing that in like 17 years, whatever. What's coming out next year. Tell me more information on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, more information on Marvels and more information on, uh, I'm trying to remember guardians of the galaxy three. That's what I want to see information on. <laughs> I just want to know, I know people like Daredevil. I know they like him. I still haven't seen the series yet. So I know it's good news for y'all that they're revamping, that they're doing they're doing the series again. They're rebooting it. Uh, yeah. well, it's a sequel, right? It's it that that's that's a very good question. What is it? Somebody, uh it's 18 episodes yeah. long. That's all we know. <laughs> oh wow, 18 episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um all right, 18 episodes. So they're doing that. And I'm like, well, what about my man Luke Cage? What about Jessica? You know, what about uh I don't know about Iron Fist. I hear polarizing responses to him. 
he, Iron Fist had a good actor on it. It had a bad script is what the problem was. Even the second season when they changed writers? Even the second season, they really didn't know what to do for an Iron Fist story. Uh, mm. After the first season, they should have just gone to uh, Heroes for Hire and tagged him with Luke Cage for another season. Like, that should have been what they did. Uh, it, it didn't make sense for what they were going for. Like, I get what Netflix was trying to do with their whole series and everything like that and trying to be like, no, we'll put them together and then we'll build off that to separate them again. And it just didn't make sense. It was kind of like phase two of Marvel after the Avengers where you're just like, but but why wouldn't Iron Man call Captain America in for this problem? Or why is Nick Fury not calling in Bruce Banner to help take care of this issue that Captain America is having? You right. know, and phase three kind of started fixing that where they were like, you know what? It, it does make sense for Captain America to appear in this, you know, Captain you know, or this uh, Iron Man kind of situation. It does make sense for, you know, these characters to interact with each other. I got to be real, man. I don't consider Civil War to be a Captain America movie. I think I look at that as an Avengers film. It is more or less an Avengers film. Yeah. But yeah, it. I think it's a really good Captain America story that they pulled into it because he is the main character in it. It is about him dealing with, you know, Bucky is back and everything like that. And he has to find it. And then he also has to deal with this entire thing where everything he believes in is being taken from him. And so, yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 You might have a point there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, with all that being said, man, you, you said that you're so excited that Kang is coming. I don't know who Kang is, but you... you it, so, who's the final boss? Because everybody keeps saying, oh, yeah, Thanos is... He, 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 he's, the, he's the guy. Oh, Kang is the guy. Who's the final boss in, in, in uh, hierarchy here? So, in terms of, like, Marvel overall, like, who would be the final boss? Like, from the comics? Yeah. Uh, whoever they feel like bumping up to be the strongest at the time. Uh, there's been times where Thanos is like the overall ruler of the universe and the biggest threat. There's times where it's Kang. There's times where it's Galactus. Uh, there's times where it's even Doctor Strange is the biggest threat to the universe. You know, okay. it, it depends on who they need to be the villain. It's the same way that like everybody is like, well, who would win in a fight, Hulk or Wolverine? And it's like whoever they need to win in that fight at that moment, that's who's gonna win, you know? Okay, you know who I would think would be interesting villain, uh, Legion. Uh, from Legion, you know, Xavier's son. Yeah, Legion. I was gonna say he's an X Men, uh, but yeah. he would be interesting, but at the same time. Him, him and the Shadow King. I feel like they, they would be interesting villains. Yeah. Well, we'll kind of see with it and everything like that. I don't know if they would make, like, universe or not uh, multi-movie threats, but they would be good villains for, like, a single or double outing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when we're talking like King, like he's going to be the threat in, uh, in Ant-Man, he's probably going to be the threat in one of the other movies coming up. And then he'll probably like come out as the big threat in Avengers King dynasty. Like that's when they'll be like, okay, we got to take care of this guy. So I, I assume Shang Li is kind of going to be put, put to more use by then. Uh, Oh, Shang-Chi. 
Shang-Chi. I'm sorry. Shang-Chi. <laughs> I, I assume Shang-Chi is going to be put, put to more use than, by then. Uh, hopefully. Um, I mean, his next movie is probably coming in 2027, you know, because we're so loaded with movies right now from Marvel. Like, that, that's one thing I... I I want to say that I've talked about this before. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but I love that we have all these superheroes that now have their own movies. I hate that we're so loaded with them though, that the sequels for them don't come out until years after. Mm. Like we know we're getting a sequel to Eternals. Who knows when it's not in the books. It's not in anything. We had blade announced like three years ago and we finally got a date this week and it's still two years out. Like (laughs) we heard about it three years ago. Now we find out it's coming out three years from now. Right. Yeah. So I I love it. But at the same time, it's frustrating to be like, oh yeah, well it's cool, but we're not going to see a continuation of this for years. Do you think it's overloaded? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if the final fight here, is going to give me listen end game i've said it multiple times i don't know i probably said multiple times in this, in this podcast it's giving me everything i asked for mm-hmm. like at that that was such a high high I, I haven't been brought back up since oh yeah i i absolutely agree it's so far nothing's lived up to the high that that movie gave when it came to just everything I wanted from comic book knowledge to movie knowledge to seeing these characters through. Uh, But at the same time, I'm hoping that something pulls through. And when it comes to the movies, like Ant-Man and the Wasp are always enjoyable movies. I love them. I know that critics and there's a lot of fans that say that they're the weaker of the movies. I always have fun with them. I think they're hilarious. They're, you know, good comedic timing. They got some good plot elements to them. I enjoy them and I got a feeling I'll enjoy this one too. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Ant-Man fan. I mean, I like Paul Rudd, but I I still haven't given those movies a chance. One day, one day, you know. Uh, Yeah, all right. I guess that's all I got to say on that one, man. Uh, You got anything else you want to add? Nothing else to add. Uh, Just make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Tell us uh, what you think about these two movies. Which one's the better one in your opinion? You know, maybe you think it's Swiss Army Man. Maybe you agree with us and it's sorry to bother you. Let us know. Be honest. Be honest. If you think Swiss Army Man is a well done, done movie, just be this. This is a safe space. You can be honest that, you know, and Anthony, you're right. That movie was it it was dumb. (laughs) We we fell in with the critics. We we fell in with the hype. We we said we liked it. (laughs) Or, you know. If I'm wrong, then just say I'm wrong, man. I think you're more wrong. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. All right, y'all. Like, share, and subscribe, like he said. Uh, Y'all have a good one. Uh, Take care.